As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. Hi, how's it going? Before we dive into self-custody and all of that, I'd love for you guys to each go around the room and just give a brief introduction of who you guys are and what you guys do. We could start with you, Joseph. Right. So I'm a Bitcoin analyst at Trezor. I am a regular contributor to Bitcoin Magazine where I cover all the topics about Bitcoin, money, macroeconomics, and also write reports from conferences like the Oslo Freedom Forum or Baltic Honey Badger, or next up is going to be a report from the Africa Bitcoin Conference. You, Pavel or Maciek, you want to talk? Yeah, maybe I can I can give a short intro. Hi, my name is Paolo Rusnak. I'm a co-founder of Satoshi Labs. That is the company that brought you Trezor in 2013. And since then, I've been contributing to Trezor. And it's very nice that we have a lot of other, other very smart people that are driving the development. So I have now more time to focus on other Satoshi Labs uh, efforts which are, for example, Tropic Square, Chip, and also Vexolab. And I'm also a contributor to other open source projects that do not fall under the Satoshi Labs umbrella. For example, Bitcoin Core, one of the most important. And then I'm maintaining a lot of Bitcoin packages in Nix OS, which is a which is a base layer for, for a lot of distributions that are trying to build Bitcoin nodes. Hey, and I'm Tijak. I'm the chief product officer at Trezor Company. I'm also helping on uh, obviously on the executive team and I'm shadowing currently Manic slash Palatinus, Pavel's co-founder of Trezor in his CEO role. So basically, as, as Pavel said, like I'm the, one of those people who try to, you know, help with the administration and the execution of everything, all the good ideas that they come up with. So hello everybody. Happy to have you guys here. So I guess before, like I said, before we get into self-custody and learning all about that, I just wanted to get an idea of, I mean, obviously the past couple of weeks have been really crazy with everything that the collapse of FTX and all of that and potential more contagion to come. It's going to probably be some time before we see it all play out. I know Genesis, one of the digital currency group was having issues as well, I think last week. So I'd love to just get your idea of everything that's went on. I know we've talked about it at Nauseam here at Bitcoin Magazine, but love to just get your input of everything that's gone on and the dangers of not self-custing your Bitcoin. I'll just open it up to any one of you guys if you want to start. Right. So maybe I can start. Yeah. So it's been, as you say, very crazy. Probably 
not a lot of people expected FTX to collapse and BlockFi to follow and Genesis to maybe follow as well. And as a lot of Bitcoiners have said, we are basically vindicated and the advocates for self-custody are vindicated because FTX, if I remember correctly, it had several billion of several, several billion dollars worth of liabilities in Bitcoin, but not a single Bitcoin on their balance sheet. So this opens up uh, the question whether exchanges like that are actually selling Bitcoin that they have, or if it's actually a paper Bitcoin. So, and there's only one way to know, one way to be certain, to withdraw your coins from the exchange and verify that you really hold the Bitcoin on your own address that you control. And uh, yeah, so what we've also seen in the past couple of weeks is uh, is a huge interest in self-custody, huge interest in Trezor devices, which is fine, but we would like for that interest to, to, to come before these collapses, to be like a gradually growing trend. And sadly, this has not happened. So I hope people will finally take note that unless you control your own keys, you don't truly own any Bitcoin. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that it, it, it sets a bad truth that uh, I guess these cycles, some bear market and bull market are in, uh, indirectly connected to, to Bitcoin. And uh, that also means that there is an influx of a lot of new people into, into the system that haven't really experienced its past. And uh, I remember when, how I was really shocked when the Mount Gox collapsed in uh, 2014. And it was a really big uh, wake up call basically for everybody in the community. And we, we saw a lot of interest in hardware wallets, even back then. It was one of the major, if not the major event in Bitcoin back then. And of course, since then, a lot of new people came in. In 2018, there was this, this boom of cryptocurrencies again. I don't remember exactly what, what companies crashed back then, but I'm pretty sure there were some. And now we are basically uh, at the end uh, of, of the, of the bull market when uh, the FTX and other companies collapsed. And this was again, like a wake up call for a lot of people in the community, but I'm maybe a little bit cynical about it. I think more people will come to Bitcoin ecosystem in the following years and they will kind of not, uh, they will not know about what, what FTX was so we really should strive to educate all people and I know that it might sound that we are biased and it's like hey you just want to sell more hardware wallets that's why you are repeating this mantra not your keys not your coins but I think it's very very important to educate people that it's really important to become to become like self self-sovereign in that way and there's a a huge, huge difference between the crash of Mount Gox back in 2014 and the new crash of FTX and other related companies. And that is the Bitcoin exchanges have become much more institutionalized and connected to, to each, with each other. So I'm not saying that Mount Gox back then was isolated event. It also caused some other, some other effects as well. But now we can see that a lot of companies are 
tied together during various loans and stuff like uh, like that that probably Josef can explain better. I'm more on the technical side of things, not on the financial. So we have to be really, really careful about introducing such systemic risks into the ecosystem. So what I'm trying to say is that not every institution in the Bitcoin ecosystem is bad. I mean, there are probably some institutions that are really necessary for onboarding the people. That said, we should put much more scrutiny into that because I think that a lot of people were trusting FTX just because they said, hey, we are licensed, hey, we are regulated, and nobody was really digging further. But once you started to dig further, you just seen that it was a pile of trash, basically, everywhere, wherever you look. And by the way, if I may follow up, I think, I mean, a lot, lot has been said, but I think it's kind of crazy to see like these big, big VC funds and big venture capital funds that, that invested in FTX and these big sound names in the, in the general, like basically tech industry that contributed and probably didn't do really that much of due diligence. Then obviously all this crazy stuff with the connection to, you know, even like politicians and stuff. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Like, and I think uh, we as in Trezor is an, you know, open source company. I think we are on the other side of the spectrum of things, uh, the way we want to do things, obviously. And so on, on one side, like we almost like a hit record sales. I think I can say that in, in the past couple of weeks, not only I mean, due to just the uh, FTX uh, crash, but also, I mean, obviously due to some seasonality, you know, Black Friday and stuff like that. But so on one side, we, we, we could say like, it's, you know, it's good news. It's good for, you know, the hardware wallets. It's good for Trezor specifically, et cetera. But it, in reality, it, it really is that story. Like, and of course, like many people got screwed and they got basically robbed during the daytime. Like, uh, you know, like, yeah, then it's, it's just very sad, I think, for, for everybody, for, for all of us and for the whole industry. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm glad that I was going to actually follow up and ask if you guys were hitting record sales for devices, but I, I think you guys kind of already answered that, which is a good thing. I think where we are in the, the Bitcoin industry or cryptocurrency industry at large with, you know, a lot of the numbers have been thrown around that it's, you know, 100 million people are in Bitcoin globally. And while that it is a pretty large number, it's kind of hard to verify that. I know some people like with the number of addresses that are out there, obviously addresses can be used multiple times by the same person. But I think, I hate to be, I guess, the bearer of bad news, but I think we're going to go through this again. While this was a very big in this instance right now in 2022 with FTX being the second or third largest exchange, I forget, you know, worth 33 billion or whatever they were on paper. You know, I still think people fall into the, the false sense of security. People are used to having their bank accounts or apps on their phone. And they were kind of treating them synonymously with one another. What I mean by that is, oh, I see that I have the money, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or dollars or euros or whatever currency you have in your bank account. And the government kind of backs that. That's not the case in the Bitcoin industry, at least, or at least not yet. Maybe there'll be some, you know, weird financial products in the future that are trying to insure people's Bitcoin. But in this day and age, uh, you still, there is still a level of trust to do that. I guess where I want to go from here is taking people through you know, not your keys, not your coins. And just if you guys want to go through a basic of how to self-custody your Bitcoin, because a lot of people, like I said, were conflating, oh, I go on to FTX or I go on to any of these platforms and I see, oh, I've got this many Bitcoin and it's this dollar or fiat. 
denomination value. And they were assuming that was their Bitcoin. So I guess I'd love if you guys want to just start and kick it off with, you know, okay, buying it on exchange or even buying it in a non-KYC fashion. How do you take self-custody of your Bitcoin in your own device with your own private keys? And I'll just kick it over to you guys to start. Yeah, maybe I can start here. So I would say even like a software wallet in your mobile phone is uh, way better than holding the coins on an exchange because maybe you cannot afford a hardware wallet. Maybe you have just $50 worth of Bitcoin on an exchange and uh, it doesn't make sense to you to spend uh, like 60 or $200 for a hardware wallet. So then uh, downloading like a Blockstream Green or Moon or any of the open source software wallets that are out there is a much better security level than holding it on an exchange. And if you withdraw from the exchange to your software wallet, you are at least certain that the coins are under your control. And of course, when you graduate from there, you put more money into Bitcoin, you stack DCA, whatever, then you should consider getting a hardware wallet because it's not uh, an internet connected device. Uh, you can verify that the random number generator does uh, what it's supposed to be. These uh, wallets are auditable. Uh, they run uh, security bounties. And uh, yeah, it's the ultimate way how to hold your coins and be certain about it. But yeah, the basics are there just unless you control your private keys, you don't know if you actually own any Bitcoin. So maybe Stick can follow up from there, how you actually came up with, with the concept of hardware wallets and what kind of users you had in mind when you were constructing the device. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great uh, intro. Maybe I will just add something to what you have said and then answer your question. There, There is a great project called walletscrutiny.com, which is a website that tries to map all all Bitcoin wallets and by all Bitcoin wallets, I really mean all Bitcoin wallets. There are like 150 of them mapped there. And these are not only software wallets, but also hardware wallets. And the team behind the page, they are looking whether the source is available. This is very important in, in the Bitcoin. Then they are looking into whether the source code is reproducible, that it means that you can really uh, arrive at the same uh, Bitcoin wallet as is distributed from the original company or authors. That means that the source code published really matches what you what you are getting when you are using that. And also they are looking into, into other aspects of the wallets as well. And ba basically what I can say here, if, if you are using a wallet that doesn't really force you to make a backup in the form of a 12 word or 24 words or some maybe other backup. There are some other wallets that use uh, SD cards for backups as well. Uh, then you are not using a self-sovereign wallet. Like if you are using a self-sovereign wallet, it really pushes you to make a backup because they don't really want to be responsible. And if there is a wallet that doesn't really force you to make a backup, then uh, it's probably a custodial wallet. So you should really not be using that. And about the hardware wallet, well, we, back in 2013, we were trying to solve our own problem slash how to securely hold your coins. And we realized that the problem that, that most of the people are facing that if you are using a, a phone or a computer to holding your keys, then the attack vector is just brutally huge. Like 
for example, operating systems such as Windows or macOS, these are billions lines of code. There is absolutely no way all of this is audited. And also there are a lot of um, issues, uh, for example, that can't be really seen in the code, but it's like a logical issue because if you connect a lot of uh, components together, even if uh, each component is behaving like it should, it doesn't necessarily mean that this um, network of components is behaving correctly. So it's really, very hard to audit such systems in a holistic way. And on the other hand, if you have a hardware wallet, which is open source, both hardware and software, such as Trezor, it, it's, it's really possible to have a in single individual or at least small team of people which can look into hardware and they can look into the software and see not only that the hardware wallet is doing what it is supposed to do, but also it's not doing, it's not doing something that is not supposed to do. And especially the second part, it's sometimes really hard when you have like a very complex system, because even if you cover everything that is supposed to be happening, you may be missing something and you don't know what you don't know. And about the goal of the Trezor hardware wallet, uh, when we started in 2013, was that we want to make something that's very easy to use for everybody. Like we, we didn't really want it to create a super special solution for, for uh, geeks, because honestly, these people can make their coins and keys secure because they get the laptop, maybe they, they get it from some OTC, so there is no track. Then they install a special hardened Linux distribution on that, and they really know how to get around the things, but that's not true for 99% of people. So we basically wanted to make a very secure product, but to package it in a nice way. So it's presented to a common user so they can, they can be really sure how it's being used. And we are trying to guide them in their way through the ecosystem. Since uh, Mathieu is our chief product officer, he is probably better versed in describing this user journey. So maybe if you can, if you can continue, but that, that was our main goal with Slash to make it usable for basically everybody on the planet. We didn't want it to be exclusive to some niche. Yeah, thanks, Pavel. So since we kicked it off with the discussion with FTX, I think now I should take over like with the basically user journey story. So I actually like that, you know, some, some of the big exchanges or namely Kraken, you know, CEOs, Jesse Powell, he, he himself, uh, you know, said basically or suggested for their users to move their coins out of the exchange uh, themselves, because for them, that's basically for the, for Kraken, it's basically a liability, right? So it's, it's an extra risk that they need to take care of. So, so even those big players, they really uh, suggest self-custody as being the ultimate sort of security solution for, you know, or those basically the, um, yeah, the solution for, for the users to store their, their coins. And that's where Trezor and other hardware companies comes into the game and we really try to make, uh, as Pablo already mentioned, the, the whole thing, like the whole user journey, very sort of easy to understand and accessible for everybody. And even, uh, when those users like already join, uh, Trezor through like this simple, there's basically onboarding process where 
you have the hardware device, but you also get an accompanying app that is both on the desktop and web. And it's a sort of like the interface of your, you know, of your basically accounts or your Bitcoin accounts. You can also, we support in Trezor Suite, which is the, which is the app. We also support DCA and basically some of the exchanges as well. So basically this whole journey of the user can continue with, within our ecosystem. And that's what we are basically after, right? So, so securing the coins for the users, uh, making really, really easy for them to understand because I've been mentioned here as well, that basically every, uh, every other bull run or when with every next bull run there is like more and more people are coming to, to Bitcoin and we want to serve them well, right? Because of course the Bitcoin being inherently like technical or originated on the technical side of things, we or I would say like our product team and Trezor really is sort of striving to make it really easy to educate the users and to explain everything well, because that's really part of the security as well. If you don't understand the concepts well, then you may hurt yourself because again, it's a self-custody. There's no third party that would uh, back your keys or, you know, back your coins in any, any way. It's basically, you are the solely like responsible owner of, of your decisions and of your sort of financial freedom in the sense as well. So, so yeah, we have tried to help users understand this and I, I hope you will uh, improve even more in the future. Yeah, I, I will second that last part. It's so really important for the users to understand the nature of self-custody because it's really them that are fully sovereign in terms of holding their own coins. So the most important thing about setting up or, or any other wallet, like a software or hardware wallet, is your recovery seat. Because if you lose your recovery seat, you will probably lose the access to your coins sooner or later when you wipe your phone or lose your hardware device. So uh, we can provide tools for our users for um, basically hardening the security of the seat, like passphrases and Shamir backups. But in the end, people need to make this mental leap that uh, there is no way to recover their coins if they screw up, if they misplace their recovery seat or forget the passphrase if they don't write down their passphrase. Because there is uh, nothing we can do. We cannot reset anything. We don't hold any backups. It's all being done in straight in the device and only the user is in control. So I would, uh, I would like to just repeat that. Yeah. I, I just wanted to add something what the other said, since you started to talk about recovery seats, it occurred to me that one of the non really obvious aspects of being so sovereign is that you should, shouldn't really become a victim of a vendor lock-in and, uh, we, we designed, uh, Trezor to be open source, not only for the reason of being uh, auditable, but we also didn't really want to create something like a, like a vendor log, even though it would be re really nice from the business perspective, right? But uh, since I'm coming from the open source background, I, I really realized from the beginning, we really don't want to create a closed system. That's why we created the BIP39, the open standard for recovery seats. And we really wanted everybody to use that because part of the being sovereign is, hey, if you are fed up with a particular hardware wallet, you can just take the seat and use that in another hardware wallet or even a software wallet. For example, if you don't have access to your hardware wallet, you can use a software wallet for the short term, although I don't really recommend that. And by having this interoperability through different software and hardware, 
when you are becoming self-sovereign. So I, I want to stress that part that being auditable is nice, but being interoperable with others is even nicer. The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. With open enrollment upon us, what if you didn't have to pay healthcare premiums anymore? What if you can invest in Bitcoin instead? With CrowdHealth, you can choose your doctors, put aside money for your health expenses in your own account, and even hold a large part of it in Bitcoin. Pay one low monthly total to fund an account that is yours. If a large expense comes up, CrowdHealth will crowdfund the bill for you to pay quickly. Go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG and experience freedom from health insurance by utilizing Bitcoin. Right now through the end of the year, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. Don't get stuck in a bad insurance plan again. Instead, go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG to sign up. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Actually, I want to go back to something that I think either Pavel or Maktik said about the exchanges. I know Jesse Powell and Brian Armstrong, I think they said probably in February of this year when everything was happening in Canada with the Freedom Convoy or the truckers and basically people getting debanked. And I think that was right on the onset of the Ukraine-Russia war as well or conflict. Um, they were kind of saying, you know, they were advocating to take self-custody of, of your Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general because... They were saying, if you don't do that, the issue is that if God forbid a government pressures them, they're going to be forced to give over or close down accounts or stop individuals. So I know when they said this, then all of a sudden, I don't know if they were subpoenaed or they were basically given a talking to by the local authorities, at least in Canada. I'm not sure if the U.S. reached out to them, but basically saying like, I, I think governments definitely do fear the aspect of people self-custing their Bitcoin. Versus if you leave it on exchange, it's as easy as a bank account to shut down with enough political pressure, basically. So with that being said, I know we talked a lot about the nuance of, you know, 12 and 24 words, but can you guys take someone through the process? If they were to buy a treasure from you guys, how easy or how quickly can they set it up? And step one is, you know, you get the device, you plug it into a power outlet. Step two is, you know, create or recover a wallet. Step three is if you're creating a wallet, like write the seed words down and then take them through the process of like withdrawing from an exchange. I'll kick it over to you guys to just go through the basic steps so people can learn. Yeah, so maybe I can take this one, describe it exactly well. So you basically get the device, you unpackage it, right? You open it up, you connect it to your computer, you download the app. That is, we have both the desktop app, but we also support the web version. You can sit in your browser. And, and then, yeah, basically there's like a simple tutorial that will walk you through the, the whole process of you getting the 
I'm backing up your keys by uh, delivering some showing you the words that you then write down on a piece of paper. You can use even some other materials such as metal or you know plastics and uh, whatever else is available. I mean, in terms of these actual products that, that makes you basically helps you store those words securely. And and then yeah, you are really good to go. Then you basically uh, once you do this, you open you're in the app and you can generate the receipt address. Or you know the particular coin, you know, such as Bitcoin, then you basically send to that address. You basically verify the address by the device, uh, uh, meaning the device will show the um, the address on on a little screen. Uh, you verify it against what you see on the computer, and then you really are free to send uh, the the coins from uh, anywhere to this address. And well. If, if the exchange allows that, because if it's custody, you might not be able to do that at all, actually, uh, being basically the point that hey, you are really on the coins. But, but if you are allowed to do that, then, then, then yeah, you can, you can send, send it to the, basically the hardware wallet and, and it's all of a sudden it's like, it's such the safest solution you can do basically. So. Yeah, no, I, I think that's awesome. And I'd, I'd love to, to note, I know when I was first getting into Bitcoin, what I did is when I was just drawing from an exchange, I would throw a small amount of money, like five or ten dollars or whatever you feel comfortable with withdrawing. I, you know, backed it up by writing down the seed words. And then I actually wiped the device, meaning I deleted the wallet and then I restored by putting in those 12 or 24 words and then making sure that the transaction I had was in there and that then my money was in the wallet. So then I denoted that I wrote them down properly. The reason I only used five or ten dollars when I first set up a wallet is. God forbid I wrote something down or did something wrong, you know, I'm okay with losing five or $10. Maybe I'll regret saying that in 20 or 30 years, but I've been, I have a hundred percent success rate so far on not losing any Bitcoins in wallets that I create. So knock on wood that that remains the case. Yeah. I, I guess, I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to expand on. Maybe we can go into more of the advanced tutorials of setting up a wallet. So now that we kind of have the basis of setting up a single single signature seed phrase hardware wallet, do you guys want to talk about a little bit about multi-sig or about, you know, using multiple devices and then kind of distributing them geographically? I'll kick it over to you guys, what you guys want to talk about now. Next. Yeah, I just want to add to the withdrawal process from the exchanges. Since every exchange has a slightly different process, we basically wrote tutorials for all the major ones. And so you can just check out on Trezor.io the walkthrough, uh, through how to withdraw from Binance or Coinbase and uh, all the major exchanges, uh, so that you don't uh, do anything wrong. And it's all, always important to double check the receiving address on the Trezor device screen, not just on the computer, because, uh, you can only trust what's, what's uh, displayed on the device screen. And this protects you from, uh, clipboard malware, which is quite widespread. So the only way to be sure you are doing the right transaction to the address that's actually in the Trezor device is to check it on the screen. Right. And now for a single signature setup. Right. So when you store your coins on a single seat, meaning you have a list of 12 or 24 English words, that's Again, way better than storing your coins on an exchange, but you can greatly increase your security model from there. So if anybody right now owns their Bitcoin on a single seat, it's very advisable to set up a passphrase because if someone were to discover your, your list of seed words, they would be able to rob you, to steal your coins. Or if you misplace 
this receipt, you also lose an access to your coins. So one, like the first step is to set up a passphrase, write it down as well, but keep it separate from your single seat. So then if you lose your seat, you don't have to be afraid of someone stealing from you. And the next step then is to basically split your seat, but you have to do it uh, in a cryptographically sound way, which is uh, to Shamir backup. And with Shamir backup, you can create a seat that is written down across multiple shares, meaning you can write down, let's say five lists of seed words, and you only need just three of those lists to recover the access to your coins. That is, if you have Shamir set up three out of five, you only need three of those lists to recover your coins. And what this introduces is the redundancy into the seed setup so that if you lose one of those lists, nobody can steal from it and you won't lose an access to your coins because you still have four others and your treasure is free. So that's very neat and it's very advisable for someone who holds a substantial amount of Bitcoin. So yeah. I advise everyone to just look into passphrases and Shamir backups because it greatly introduces, it, it greatly increases the level of security for your Bitcoin. Pavel or Matic, do you want to add anything? But maybe I can add something to Shamir backup. A lot of people are argumenting, hey, I'm not going to use uh, Shamir backup because there is multi-seek and it's better for whatever reason. But as I'm looking at the thing that basically Shamir backup and multi-seek are orthogonal to each other. So you can use both and you can, you can use one. It's up to you. But basically the idea is that the, the Shamir is splitting the recovery seed that belongs to one device and the multi-sync is splitting the keys that are required to, to sign the transaction to multiple, multiple devices or multiple wallets. So you can create a really intricate setups using that, but of course you should be really careful because if, if you create a very complex setup, especially with uh, multi-six, it might be really problematic for you to uh, access the coins. That said, uh, I really, really like multi-six, but I think uh, we as a Bitcoin community have to really look into the usability of, of the topic because it's, there is so many loose, loose, loose stuff with it. So we really have to come up with like more standardized way how to use it, especially when it comes to like getting the parties together. Obviously we want to have some kind of a protocol that, that connects the parties, parties together. And it would be really nice if the protocol is open source and so on, so, and so on. And also there are various setups that involve multisig, but these are uh, mostly automated. And one of that uh, example is what the, uh, what the Blockstream Green uh, wallet is doing, where one of the uh, keys is in your phone and other of the keys is on their server. And if you are, if you are sending a transaction, the server uh, verifies you via a second factor, be it an SMS or an email. And if it receives the code from you, the server happily signs using using their key and using the multi-sig uh, this uh, this setup is created so there are also like automated 
automated multi-sig setups. And I think this kind of setup makes sense for a single user, but unless you are a really high wealth individual, I think multi-sig might be a little bit of overkill for you because it really, really it, it's, it's the user experience is getting worse if you have a lot more devices and you have to be really careful with what you are, what you are doing. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, pretty much all I have. I mean, we talked about single SIG, we talked about multi-SIG, we've talked about that. So I guess I will kick it over to you guys if there's any other thing that we didn't touch on that you guys would like to talk about. And then, you know, maybe we'll open up for a few questions if anyone has any in the audience so they can request to come up. But I'll kick it over to you guys if there's any final thoughts. We'll maybe do some questions at the tail end and then we'll wrap up from there. So the only thing that comes to mind, I mean, as being a, a sort of professional deformation in a way that I like to show our new products. So actually we'll be launching this year, our new mobile app. So that's something that users can look forward to. Uh, we also are working on a new hardware, which is very much exciting because we haven't done that in a while. And so we are getting basically ready for the next bull run. And so we are bringing yeah, a lot of improvements to the, to the hardware portfolio as well. And that's exciting for us and hopefully for the millions of our users globally as well. And, and yeah, I hope that the user will like it and that they will have fun with, with their, uh, with their transfers. All right. Looks like we don't have any other questions for you guys. So maybe if you guys want to go down the line and, you know, give any suggestions or you know, lead anyone to the direction where they can pick up their own Trezor device. Maybe it'd be a good gift for a family member or yourself for Christmas. So I'll take it over to you, Yosef. Yeah. So regarding purchasing a Trezor device, it's advisable to purchase uh, our website, Trezor.io. We have a worldwide, ship it, worldwide shipping. And if I'm not mistaken, we can satisfy orders that are made before December 15th and will still be delivered until Christmas. And I'm really... I really hope I'm right on that. And yeah, that's right. I'm just checking December 15th. And if you want to buy your Trezor from a reseller, we have an official reseller list on our website. So always check that because otherwise uh, you may not know like what you're buying. So uh, all the resellers are listed on our website. And we have a lot of courses for learning, like we have the section of called Trezor Learn. So if you're uncertain about any aspect of hardware devices, self-custody, withdrawing from an exchange, you can check all that out on our website. And yeah, as I mentioned before, just know what you're doing if you are managing your own coins, but it's not uh, that hard. Uh, there's basically an onboarding process that will walk you through everything and yeah. Just maybe take it simple from the beginning, just set up a single seat, set up your pin, learn about passphrases, learn about Shamir backup, and just graduate as uh, at your own pace, as you're comfortable with. Pavel, Matic. Yeah, I mean, uh, Joseph covered it pretty, pretty well. Um, 
I'm ready here to be, to, to answer any of your questions, not only related to Trezor, but of course this is, this is the main topic, but feel free to ask about any oh, Bitcoin open source question, whatever. And I really wanted maybe to add one thing that, that mentioned, that Joseph mentioned earlier, that if you are, if you are receiving your coins to hardware wallet, you should really check them up on, on the display because that's the only thing you can trust basically in the setup. And it seems there are more and more solutions coming up that are uh, saying uh, about themselves, they are hardware wallet. But if they don't, don't really have a display, it's very hard for you to, to check whether the address you are sending to is the one that really is protected by, by this, by this solution. So you should really avoid these solutions that don't have their own display. And I really like what you said about sending a small amount of your coins into a hardware wallet then wiping it, restoring it and sending the coins out of the hardware wallet because not only this is very important to understand all of these concepts, but I think that since you are minimizing your loss to a certain amount, it's not as stressful as you would be doing that for the first time with a huge amount. So uh, I remember at the beginning when I was uh, dealing with basically all of my coins, I was super stressed on every step. So that's, that's a very very good way how to onboard yourself and I'm just I'm just really sad that the, this this wasn't the, my idea when I was onboarding into the, into the and it, I think it's really good yeah I appreciate that it looks like we've got a few questions so I'm gonna pull them up real quick and uh, we can probably only take two or three questions I'll pull them up and they'll ask questions I'll go from there Where, where do we see the questions? They're up on stage. So I think we have cryptonomics. If you want to ask a question to the panel, go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, my question is, uh, why do we have to connect the hardware device to a computer? Is that mandatory or can we do it through a power outlet? That, that's a good question. Currently, this is mandatory for the travelers or devices. Because during the initialization, what's being done is that Trezor asks for an extra entropy from the host. So even, even if there is a, an issue uh, with the hardware generator inside of the hardware wallet, which, which uh, is a very, very low chance because uh, all of the hardware and software has been scrutinized over and over again. Uh, but still, the, this extra entropy is being mixed into your seed uh, during the initialization. And we made this design decision back in then, since then there are a lot of, a lot of other hardware wallets, which don't really do that. And I think it's, it's a good trade-off. We might consider adding it uh, into the future, but the, the main reason was asking for this, uh, for this extra entropy, which we will lose if you would just use the power bank. Okay. And I have a follow-up for that. You stated that if you buy a Trezor, use Trezor, go to your website to check what exactly? I'm sorry. I didn't quite catch that. Uh, I think, I, uh, a, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I was just saying that you guys said that if you were to buy a used hardware wallet, make sure to go on the website and check for something. 
it it wasn't used the hardware wallet. Yosef was just saying that if you if you are not getting Trezor directly from Trezor IO, but from some reseller, that means like like a person who has a business of uh, selling hardware, that you should check on Trezor IO slash resellers whether they are alleged resellers that are getting the treasures from us and not from some kind of secondary market. So this was not about used treasures, new okay. devices, but not sold by us. Yeah, you kind of scared me there. I said, hold on a second. So I thought, I assumed that you guys were collecting the seed phrases and data and whatnot and uh, to check on your website to see whether that uh, device had some, something on there. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the computer thing kind of, um, it, it's sketchy too because I honestly don't trust PCs whatsoever. You can have all these antivirus and whatever, but there's all types of malware, spywares, and I'm kind of curious to see if there is a, a better solution uh, to getting your coins onto the hardware without connecting it to a PC. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a trade-off of, of the usability. You, you can make a more complex uh, setup, but then honestly, it's not for everybody. And if if uh, you are that paranoid, then you can always use uh, multisig uh, that consists of, of several brands of the hardware wallets. So you are basically limiting your exposure to a single failure. And about the, the security model of, of Trezor, everything outside of the Trezor is considered to be untrusted and compromised. So even if you have a, if you have a malware on your computer, you should really be be checking what's happening or on the on the device screen. Okay, sorry. Can I ask one more question? I uh, using... go ahead, but make it quick because we got two more questions and we're kind of running out of time here. Okay, I appreciate it. Okay, so when you're using multisig, is that for for like a specific wallet? And if someone gets your seed phrases, can they not upload that wallet on like MetaMask or any other like, trust wallet and whatnot? That kind of bypasses the multisig, doesn't it? Well, it's more complicated than that. <laughs> I don't think we have any time enough time for that. But if you if you if you initialize three different hardware wallets with different seeds, and you are using multisig, then there is simply no way that the single seed exposure can can put you put your coins in danger. So I guess that's the answer there. Yeah. Thanks for your question. Sorry, we got to keep moving forward. So Crypto Addict, I think you were next on the list. Hello, guys. Am I audible? Hi. Yep, we can hear you. Go ahead. Actually, uh, my question is uh, on you. I watched some guys did what that they uh, tempered the trezor and they covered the, the bitcoins that they have put it in it, but they didn't have the seed. Uh, what's your stand on that? Mm. Yosef, did you understand the, the question or my thing? Uh, let me explain again. So uh, on YouTube, there was some guy, like there are multiple videos uh, about that same thing. So what they did, uh, they created a Trezor wallet hardware. So what they did, they transferred few bitcoins uh, in them and uh, they burned the seed phrase. And after that, they opened the hardware of the Trezor wallet and they connected it to device and they tempered it and collected the Bitcoin back 
to the another wallet. Yeah, this refers to some kind of exploit, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, 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 yeah. This is known. This is from several years back, and the way how to protect kind of physical exploits is to set up a passphrase because the passphrase isn't stored anywhere on the device. And if you have a passphrase set up, nobody can take anything from the device, even if they get their hands on the device and do anything with it, your coins will be always protected with a passphrase. So actually I have one more question. So you said that you ship globally, but Indian shipping, there is an excise duty. They check the product and they open it while checking it. So how can I make sure that my treasure is not tempered with any kind of malware inside it? Yeah, maybe that this is for Mate. What are the checks when you set up your treasure for the first time? Yeah, so there are some, some physical sort of constraint or, or checks that, that are it's like basically like a seal that is on the, on the device itself. And if the seal is broken, then you basically, as a user, can see it and really make match. You know, we basically in the packaging we clearly explain that if that seal is broken, you should not use the device. You just contact our support instantly. So that's on the hardware side of things. So let's say on the packaging, on the software, once you plug the device into the computer, we have also some check where basically the host checks the device for being used for the first time, meaning the device has not been initialized. It doesn't have either firmware or any seed on it. And then basically, again, it's, if that would be the case and you as a user acknowledge sort of that you are using it for the first time, we, you know, as a basically good app tell, tells you, well, no, this is, this device has been used before and you should not use it. And again, we, we in that case, uh, suggest you contact our support and then our, you know, a very professional agent will basically help you with the next steps. Yeah, thanks for the answers there. I got we have one more question from Bitroy. Bitroy, welcome to the stage. Feel free to ask questions to the panelists. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to follow up with something similar to what Cryptonomics was discussing about, you know, whether or not it's feasible to be able to, you know, plug this just into a power outlet, the device itself, specifically the Model T. I noticed, you know, that there is a micro SD memory uh, slot on the device. And, uh, you know, the whole idea of not trusting but verifying, ideally to me, we'd be able to create our own entropy offline and import it there. Is that something you're exploring or considering? Yeah, we, we have, we have this on the roadmap for, for some time already. So there was this idea to allow serverless setup exactly like it has been mentioned earlier, just through connecting the Trezor to a power bank. And then maybe, maybe using the dice or something for generating your seed. That, that said, it's really, I have to say it, I think that's really not for the main mainstream users. And we have to really prioritize what we are doing. So we have to, we have to be doing where most of the, our users are, where most of the, our users are, the features that most of the, our users are looking into. So it, it's. It's been on the roadmap for some time, but always there is uh, something more uh, coming up. And maybe I will add that next year or early next year, we are, we are launching the coin join. And that's one of the features that hasn't been mentioned yet, but uh, this is something that a lot of people are, a lot of people are asking for, and I'm 
also looking forward to see how it all plays out. Okay. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I guess just a, a quick follow-up and, and maybe this is on the roadmap as well, but curious about interfacing directly with the Bitcoin node for the devices rather than any middleware in between. Is that on the roadmap as well? The short answer is yes. The long answer is this is not possible because the Bitcoin core node directly doesn't have address index, so it can't really quickly respond to what's the balance on your address. That's, that means that you have to have some kind of middleware and one of the most used middleware is server. So this is a, uh, this is a tool that this is a server that uh, connects to your Bitcoin node and creates this address index for that. And we are able to, users are able to use Trezor Suite to connect to this Electrum server. And this Electrum server is already part of most of the self-hosted node distributions such as Umbrel, Citadel, Raspiplitz, and others. So it's very easy for people to deploy that. Yeah, I, I definitely think there's a, a trade-off. There's definitely also a several power users who would be interested in those kind of features. And, you know, I understand there's additional steps that are required for core to be able to watch addresses that are, you know, derived from the device. But I mean, a specifically of interest would be for me personally, as well as others that I'm aware of, would be to be able to generate your own entropy offline without the device touching the computer. And then uh, similar to other wallets have a import multi-type function to core, be able to watch uh, a read only or watch address list that you produce and be able to do PSBT transactions directly. Uh, in that manner, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that kind of read-only approach, this this should be really possible because the, there is this thing called the wallet descriptors that has been merged into Bitcoin Core 23, I guess. And you can get a, a wallet descriptor from Trezor, which describes a certain account and if you import that uh, Trezor, if you import that wallet descriptor into Bitcoin Core, then you can have a read-only read-only account in your Bitcoin Core. So yeah, I guess you are right that this is already possible, but only if in a read-only manner. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. I just want to thank Joseph, Pavel, and Matic. It's been great talking to you guys. I'll kick it over to you guys for a final recap, and then we'll get out of here. So anything you guys want to add to the final thing? Thanks for answering those questions, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for organizing this panel. It's been great. I really liked the questions. And if you have any further questions or comments, like don't hesitate to contact us, our via Twitter and maybe some other other means, uh, probably. Joseph can expand on that. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, thank you very much. Likewise, I would like to add to just keep educating yourself. You are your own master when it comes to self-custodying Bitcoin. And we have a lot of resources for that. You can check out our YouTube, our website, resort.io. You can follow us on Twitter. We host Twitter Spaces as well. And yeah, read Bitcoin Magazine. 
there's a lot of great stuff being published on Bitcoin Magazine. And yeah, if you are uncertain about any aspect of using the Trezor devices, just reach out to our support. Yeah, and I will just send an extra thank for having us. Uh, it was a great talk. And yeah, get your coins of the exchanges if you happen to have them there. Get a hardware wallet. And as Joseph said, keep educating yourself because that's it's really an important part to do them to the security. So so yeah, be safe and thank you for having us again. Yeah, I really hope we can continue this conversation in person in Miami, May 18th through the 20th for Bitcoin 2023. Everyone in the audience, you, you can use the code Satoshi when you go to b.tc forward slash conference and get your tickets there for Bitcoin 2023. So thanks guys for joining us and we'll catch you later. Have a good one. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin magazine print edition is called the Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beauty On, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.